The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the safe sleep guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr. Fallon and Dr. Laura acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respects to the elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Hello and welcome back to Brand New Little People, the podcast where we talk about all things early parenting with a particular focus on sleep, settling and crying in the first few years. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Fallon Cook. And I'm Dr. Laura Conway. We're paediatric sleep practitioners at Infant Sleep Australia and founders of Sun Bell, Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic program. So this week we wanted to answer a whole lot of questions. So we have had lots and lots of questions coming through from families who are taking part in the Sunbell programs Um, and some really, really great questions have come up lately. So I thought let's dive into a few in this episode because I think the answers will apply to so many families that are listening in. Um, If you've got your own questions, shoot them through to us. at sombell at infantsleep.com.au and I'll pop the email address in the show notes. Um, but first up, Laura, I thought let's start with an easy one. <laughs> I love this question. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this question to Laura. Um, this person asked, my baby is nine weeks old and sleeps nine hours overnight without feeding. Her weight gain is fine, but I'm still kind of worried. Is this okay or should I be waking her up? Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, we don't often hear of um, babies sleeping for that length of time, do we? Well, not ones that come across the threshold at our clinic. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But no, do not be waking your baby up. Um, Enjoy. That's amazing. Your baby will, uh, well, babies in general are highly um, tuned to their care. nutritional needs and if your baby is um, hungry overnight they will wake up for a feed if your baby carries on sleeping then let them carry on sleeping Um, then in all likelihood your baby will have a great big feed on waking and they might feed more frequently during the day than babies that do feed overnight what do you think Fallon yeah, I agree 100%. I think the key here is that her weight gain is on track. So that mm. baby is doing a really good job of making sure they're getting all the calories they need. And if that baby is sleeping nine hours without waking, you know, amazing. <laughs> I think that is <laughs> wonderful. And uh, I'd be really happy with that. We know that by 12 weeks of age, about 80% of babies are managing to get a five hour stretch overnight. So this baby's doing pretty well. They're kind of ahead of schedule. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Some babies, it's like they come out and they just sleep. And it's never a problem. They just sleep. And those parents probably think, what's all the fuss about? This is pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for others, um, you know, getting two or three hours in a row is a huge success. So, yeah, they all are so different. Of course, if you had advice from your doctor or your health nurse or pediatrician, 
um, that you know for some reason your child does need to feed more often um, then you might be told to wake up your baby to feed them so always listen to what they're saying um, but generally if everything's going well and weight gain's fine um, you probably won't be told something like that so yeah congratulations to that parent you're a very very lucky one <laughs> <laughs> yeah amazing <laughs> um, another question we had um, was I've just started settling my baby in the cot for her day naps but she's only sleeping for about 30 minutes each time. I try to resettle her, but she refuses and doesn't like to sleep in the pram, so I can't just get out of the house and give her a nap on the go either. What else can I try? What do you think, Laura? Hmm. Yes, there are a small um, percentage of babies that will always be catnappers, particularly when they are um, on more frequent naps during the day. So I think that um, the research suggests that it's around 15% of babies um, will continue to be catnappers across their first year. Um, now, if um, your baby is able to go to sleep um, independently in their cot or bassinet um, and then is waking up after um, only a short catnap um, and is bright and happy and uh, smiling up at you, there's absolutely no point trying to resettle them um, because they're showing you in their behavior that they are ready to get up. Um, if, however, your baby is... Um, cranky and grumpy on waking and really looks like they want to go back to sleep, um, then uh, I would be suggesting trying to resettle them in the same way that they settle to sleep at the beginning of that nap. Um, and perhaps just with a little bit of time, once you, I don't know how many naps your baby is on. Did it say there, Fallon, in the message? No, no, it doesn't say. But it sounds like it's a really recent move to having naps in the cot and my first thought was yeah often they just have really short nap sex they wake up and they're like oh damn it I'm back here again <laughs> I don't like this place yet <laughs> so often they do have these little cat naps um but they they sometimes resolve so you're right like yeah sometimes they're just some babies are cat nappers they just cat nap no matter what we do and if they're happy cat nappers it's completely fine um but yeah if you've just started recently settling your baby in the cot they might do a lot of cat naps when ordinarily they wouldn't but once mm. they're kind of really used to falling asleep in the cot that's often when they'll start to join a couple of sleep cycles together yeah. so you might start to get some longer naps um eventually um, so I think, you know, what else can you try? Look, try, you know, to resettle for a little bit if they're grumpy. Um, but if they're happy and seem like they can get on with their day, then you might just get them up. Um, yeah, I think that's that's hmm. what I'd be, be thinking of. Um, this person actually sent through another part to their question. Hmm. Um, they've said that, uh, I persist with settling my baby in their cot for about 30 minutes and often she's just lying there happy and alert oh. and not wanting to fall asleep. So at what point would I, um, oh no, so she, sorry, she says, if I pick her up out of the cot, she'll fall asleep in my arms instantly. Um, so this one's wanting to know, why does that happen and what should I do? Um, uh, look, the first thing that occurred to me is that if your baby's lying there really happily, just kind of chattering away to themselves, um, they're probably not ready for sleep. And I'd no. definitely be pushing that nap back a bit um, because if, you know, if they're ready for sleep, you should start to see them settle down pretty quickly. What are your thoughts, Laura? Yeah, sorry, was it that they were um, 
it was when they wake after a short nap that they're happy or they're happy for at the beginning of the no, nap? No, this is when she's trying to settle her for the nap. So it can take about ah, 30 yeah. minutes. Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, we do tend to think of... Um, what we look at is um, sleep onset latency, which is basically how long it takes a baby to go to sleep. Um, anything beyond around about 20 minutes is starting to get a little bit on the long side. Um, so yeah, given that your baby is lying awake quite happily resisting any efforts on your part to um, help them go off to sleep, I would be doing exactly as you just said, Valent, thinking about pushing the nap a little bit later. Yeah, um, you might as well have that baby really. up and um, playing with you and engaging with you for that half hour um, mm. rather than just um, kind of fighting a losing battle um, with them yes. in their cot for that 30 minutes. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think what's really confusing for parents, and this parent actually touches on it, is that you might have them happy in the cot and they're just not wanting to go to sleep and then you pick them up and suddenly they just fall asleep on you. Mm. And that is so confusing for parents, but this is why that happens. When you're holding your baby, you're giving them so much extra support. So that closeness, the pressure of you know you holding them against your body, um, the warmth of your arms, that little bit of movement that you're doing as well, that is so soothing that even if a baby's not quite ready for a nap, they find it so enjoyable that they can just drift off to sleep really, really quickly. But I think for parents, they go, but if I pick them up and they fall asleep, they must have been tired enough. And why weren't they falling asleep yes. in the cot? It's because in the cot, they don't have all those additional sources of um, sort of comfort around them. Um, and it can just take that little bit longer to get off to sleep there versus in your arms. So yeah, I'd definitely be thinking pushing that nap. You know, if it usually takes 30 minutes for them to fall asleep, push the nap 30 minutes later and you'll probably find they settle a whole lot faster in their cot. Yeah. And I fell and I think also then given that that's the same um, um, parent who just asked about the cat naps, um, what we'll probably start to see then with the slightly later nap time is that um, if the baby needs to have a little bit of extra sleep, they're more likely to link that sleep cycle um, and start to have longer naps. So push the nap a bit later on and um, very soon you might start to find that your baby sleeps more than one sleep cycle for their naps. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I was thinking too was if, you know, if you've made a change to cot settling and you're just getting a lot of 30 minute naps, you might have to give them an extra nap during the daytime for a little while. Like it might only be two mm. or three days until they've really mastered falling asleep there. Um, but keep that in mind. If it's just too hard to get through the day, you know, maybe you were doing three longer naps and now they're just doing three cat naps. You might find they actually need four cat naps just for a little bit while they're making that adjustment um, so that they can make it through the day. So, yeah, often there's not a really clear-cut answer. It's a little bit of, well, think about this, but also think about that. Mm. Um, but hopefully hopefully that helps. Um, yeah, this parent has a, um, a really interesting question. So she starts by saying... Um, my baby slept through the night until she was three and a half months old. So, wow, <laughs> to begin with. Amazing. Yep. That's, that's wonderful. Um, but she says, then it was like a switch went off and we were awake mm -hmm. hourly. Um, it has ebbed and flowed. 
some nights um, she's having three or four hour stints of sleep um, but currently they're back to sort of an hour and a half to an hour tops in a row at night time she's feeling really exhausted so we haven't got to the question yet but <laughs> immediately I'm going to say that's really common so before about three and a half four months of age they don't tend to mind um, you know how they're settled to sleep or where they're settled to sleep mm. but around that four month mark they start to have a lot of really strong preferences so so often babies go from sleeping really well overnight to suddenly waking up all the time and a lot of people call that the four month sleep regression Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it sort of happens for some babies. It doesn't happen for others. Um, but it definitely sounds like um, this baby has sort mm-hmm. of gotten old enough and, and aware enough of what's going on that they've started to have, you know, some preferences for how they're settled. Because the next thing this mum says is um, she is and has always been fed to sleep. Um, but this mum really wants to change this because she knows that it's going to help stop the really frequent night wakes. So her question is, um, she always falls asleep on a top-up bottle of breast milk that they give to her just before she goes to bed. So this parent's wanting to move away from feeding to sleep and work on some other skills to help her baby fall asleep. Um, And she's wondering if, you know, could they keep going with the bottle of breast milk, um, which she falls asleep while she has it, or should they give it a little bit earlier on? I would say definitely move that bottle a little bit earlier. If your goal is really to stop feeding to sleep, giving it earlier is often a good idea. Is that what you tend to suggest to families, Laura? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would be saying there's no reason to um, stop giving um, your baby um, a feed just before going to bed at night because that's um, absolutely appropriate um, and it may just be about moving that feed a little bit earlier in that bedtime routine. Uh, what we often mm. see is that um, the feed is the very last thing that happens before baby goes down into the cot or bassinet. Um, so it can be really helpful to think about think about all the things that are in your baby's bedtime routine. And um, I'm not sure, how old did you say this baby Three and a half was? months. Okay, so still very little. Um, so uh, it may be that they, if they're having a bath or a wash, um, you then change them into a new nappy and into um, their pyjamas. Then you might give them the um, bottle of breast milk. Um, then perhaps sing a lullaby as you put them into the sleep suit um, and then think about um, popping them down into the cot. So you're just putting a little mm. bit of a gap between the feed and going um, into the cot. And that can then also help with um, uh, trialing a new way of settling your baby to sleep that doesn't rely on the feeding. And there's a whole range of approaches that we discuss in Sombell that um, you can choose from. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it kind of depends on the age of the baby a bit, but for certainly older babies and for toddlers, often you can really move that feed quite a bit earlier. So for toddlers especially, it might be that they have the last milk feed of the day and then they get into the bath and then they do their bedtime routine. Or for some, you know, um, for babies, sometimes it's a case of, um, you know, the bath and then the bottle and then it's changing, you know, putting on fresh nappy and, um, yeah, Mm. doing that, that wind down routine like you described. And it can just help to kind of separate out that feed. And some parents will be thinking, why should I do this? I think it's really important to keep in mind that that advice is specifically for parents who are really 
having a lot of trouble with babies who are waking up a lot overnight, not really to feed, but more just to suckle to get back to sleep. They're the parents who tend to go, okay, we need a different strategy than suckling back to sleep because they're not actually taking much milk and it's more just about getting off to sleep again. And if that's causing a lot of problems and a lot of night waking, that's when you might try to stop that feed to sleep at the start of the night. And really interestingly, I think it was Jodie Mindell. She's like amazing sleep researcher um, who we're both big fans of. Um, she did some really interesting research and um, I'm pretty sure it was her research that was showing that even if it's just that first um, settle of the night, so if you want to move your baby away from feeding to sleep or padding to sleep or, or some other sort of sleep association and you really struggle to think, you know, about to even contemplate having to settle them in their cot all night long and, and for every nap, even if you just start working on that very first settle of the night, that might be the one settle where you really work hard on supporting your baby to fall asleep in their cot. Um, what's been shown is that those babies can have some significant improvements in their sleep because they're not waking up at night freaked out, like, how did I get in my cot? They fell asleep there in the first place. So if that's all you can manage, then you can just get started with that one settle and often that makes a difference as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, the other question this parent asks is when we're giving the bottle of express breast milk in her room, um, would using a red light in her room help to support her sleep? And, oh, this one's a real can of worms. <laughs> it is. <laughs> what would you say to this, Laura? <laughs> yeah, this we do get asked this quite often because there are lots of beautiful red light products on the market um, that um, parents, uh, you know, that some of them are quite pricey, so parents will ask us, should we outlay the money on this latest gadget with the red light or not? Um, or I've been gifted it and I'm not sure whether I should use it. Um, so look, the jury is still out around red light and infant sleep. There actually haven't been any proper large scale studies looking at the um, association between red light and infant sleep. Um, there have been some smaller studies often with um, uh, older um, like adults rather than um, infants um, and the suggestion is um, that red light doesn't do anything to um, impede or disrupt the production of melatonin um, and so I think probably there's been a, um, a generalization made um, around if we think about having some light on in the bedroom for um, the baby overnight so that they what, maybe don't get scared of the dark or so that mum or dad can see what they're doing when they go into the room overnight to resettle the baby, um, that that red light is uh, more preferable than having some other kind of light on that might actually impact the production of melatonin. Um, but as I say, the research isn't um, there yet mm. to say that this is definitely um, a thing. Um, wh what about you, Fallon? What would you say about this yeah, curly question? I had a bit of a look before on PubMed to sort of prep for this episode. And I was really shocked by how little good research there actually is. I think everyone's, you know, really generalizing things a lot. 
Um, even when it comes to, you know, we know that certain amounts of blue light can disrupt sleep. So blue light mm. can come from various different sources. Um, but the amount required is a lot. <laughs> you know, it takes mm. a lot. So I think the most sensible thing parents can do is, you know, just make sure your nursery is dim, is dimly lit. If, if there's not much light in there, it's really unlikely it's going to impact your baby's sleep. Um, what I'd really be guided by is are they distracted if they can see what's going on around them? We, we know a lot mm. of FOMO babies who have their eyes <laughs> wide open and if they can see anything, like it could be something as boring as just the spine of a book on the shelf, you know, they will keep turning towards it and looking at it and they get more and more cranky because they just can't settle to sleep because that, that thing over there is just so damn interesting. They can't switch yeah. off from looking at it. Um, so if you're noticing that in your baby, that, you know, they're really distractible and want to look at everything around them, that's when having a really dark room is really important. Um, so look, I don't think parents should be rushing out there to buy special lights, um, but there just isn't really the evidence yet. I wish there was a great big study that actually looked at melatonin production in response to red lights in babies. Um, I don't know if one's planned, if you know of one that's happening, or if you think there's a study we've missed, please send it to us because we are, we're big on the science and um, would love to hear about any sort of recent findings. Yeah. Um, the only thing yeah. I'd add to that, Fallon, is that um, one thing to consider about the sleep environment is that we want the environment at the start of the night to be reflective of what the environment is going to be like overnight or, in fact, mm. in any sleep. So if your baby is going to sleep in um, with a light on, um, then you really need to keep that light on all night long ideally um, so that that baby uh, and when I say light I'm talking about a nightlight um, so that when the baby comes up into light sleep they'll see that nothing has changed since they went to sleep if that's not going to be um, feasible for you or reasonable and we've also <laughs> we're all living in the cost of living crisis so we might not <laughs> want to have electricity on all night long um, it's much better to um, settle your baby to sleep in the dark um, because it's going to be dark when they come up into light sleep overnight mm. and they'll see nothing has changed and they'll be able to go back into their next sleep cycle more easily yeah and it goes for other things doesn't it like um you know white noise or some parents play music and lullabies until their baby's asleep and then they just turn it off and then actually the absence of sound is just as likely to wake your baby as is a sudden loud sound so it's just a change mm. in the sound can wake your baby so anything that's present at the start of the night when they fall asleep you ideally want to have that all night long that's why I tend to not suggest lullabies because I think they can drive parents crazy having to hear yes. them all night long um, <laughs> if you do want to have a sound something like white noise is good because as adults we tend to be able to phase it out and just kind of not not hear it anymore after a few nights um, but yeah you want you want the conditions to just stay constant overnight because your baby is going to you know really have different associations that really tell their brain this is the environment in which we go to sleep um and yeah it's the same for adults as well like you don't tend to just sleep in random places around your house you always want to sleep in your bed you always mm. want to have the same pillow you typically have the same blanket you always turn off your light um you know but some adults will sleep i used to know someone who slept with the simpsons on repeat on the television all night long <laughs> 
which is a pretty weird sleep association. Um, but, you know, you do tend to want one thing, you know, the one sort of environment that persists across the night and you'll sleep better like that. It's exactly the same for your baby. Um, so, yeah, definitely yeah. keep that in mind um, and have a think about anything that might be changing in that sleep environment. Um, through the night it's also why a lot of babies wake early in the morning because suddenly there's birds singing the rubbish truck Mm -hmm. or a bit of light might be coming in the room that environment changes and they go okay great that's my cue to wake up because this is not my normal sleep environment anymore Um, so that's why yeah using white noise to mask environmental sounds can be really helpful Um, and using block out blinds for those babies that just won't settle down until you know all the visual stimulation is gone Um, block out blinds can be really helpful um, for those families yeah Fal and I always have a little bit of a giggle when I see families coming into the clinic (laughs) who um, they're holding their babies in their arms and um, babies are just looking up at the um, at the ceiling where the light is coming in from the window and then Mm. it's next to the shade where the light isn't hitting (laughs) and these babies are fascinated by that contrast where the shadow is yes and um and then i'll um in the course of the appointment with the family say so how would you describe your baby and then oh (laughs) so alert always looking at everything around them just gazing at the ceiling fans or (laughs) you didn't even really need to ask the question no i didn't (laughs) need to ask yeah, that's right. And then I think, well, it's really important to think about all those cracks of light that are coming in through it's the so window. True. You know, my firstborn, this is a long time ago, he definitely had a phase where he, if he could see anything interesting, but particularly anything high contrast, so dark against white and that sort of thing, um, mm-hmm. he would just hyper-focus on it and then end up so exhausted and you know, it was just too exhausting for him. And what we yeah. found really quickly was that his cot was like a dark wood cot and the wall behind it was white and that was a disaster. We actually had to move him and we borrowed a cot, a white cot, so it was white against a white wall. Problem solved. <laughs> Total oh problem goodness. solved. And he was yeah. fine then. I mean, so that was back before blackout blinds were... I don't, there just didn't seem to be a thing 10 years ago, but now they're a big deal. Um, yeah, so there yeah, was garbage actually, bags on the window back then, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, or aluminium foil, which is a <laughs> yeah. really good way to annoy your neighbours and get them thinking <laughs> you might be a little bit sus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so just lastly, before we wrap this up, um, we just wanted to touch on some really cool science that has come across our desks over the last couple of weeks um, that really emphasise the importance of sleep in the preschool years. So um, this research, uh, one of the, the authors on this research is a, a colleague of ours, um, Professor Michael Gradisar. Um, and he and his colleagues were yeah, looking at, you know, treating preschool sleep problems before the start of school and kind of looking at what the impact of that was, not just on sleep, but on anxiety and just behavior in general. It was a great study. So they ran some um, a treatment program that ran across five different sessions um, where parents was sort of done in a group setting. So parents came together for that. Um, they were working on things like bedtime difficulties, night waking difficulties, the usual sorts of things we mm-hmm. see in that preschooler um, age group. And what was fantastic is not only did it improve sleep, but it actually resulted in fewer symptoms of anxiety and internalizing and externalizing behaviors. Um, so what a great study because so often, mm. Laura, we get families who often they email us and say, oh, I've got a four-year-old or a five-year-old, sometimes even a six-year-old, 
who's, you know, sleep is really terrible. We've tried everything. Like, is it just too late? Did we miss the boat? Mm. You know, are we never going to yeah. be able to improve this sleep? You know, is this just what we have to put up with now? And the answer is absolutely not. You can totally treat sleep problems um, for children of that age. And it's really important to do it because it can have such a big impact on how they function day to day. So if you've got a, a preschooler with, you know, you're, and you're worried about anxiety or behavior problems in them and they've got really interrupted nighttime sleep, start by treating that sleep um, because mm. so often once they're sleeping better, they're daytime behaviors you know improve and become a whole lot easier and of course have a chat to your gp um you know if you're worried about that um yeah so i think i thought that was a really nice bit of science that came out yeah absolutely and sleep is one of the three pillars of health we often talk about that don't we fallon so mm. along with diet and exercise um so it's um that study was really um lovely in showing that when that sleep is not quite um, right when that one pillar is a little bit wobbly then um, it really just impacts a wider range of areas than just sleep so um, yeah lovely lovely study well done to our colleagues um, for um, producing such a lovely piece of work and um, yeah just helping build the evidence of how important it is um, to address sleep um, difficulties in babies toddlers and preschoolers Absolutely. All right, let's leave it there. If you've got questions for us, especially if you're one of our Sunbow families, please do send through questions. We would love to answer them. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you need help with your baby's sleep or settling, then you need Sunbow. Sunbow is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic for babies aged 0 to 12 months. It contains all the best resources from Dr. Fallon and Dr. Laura's sleep clinics, so you can rest easy and soak in your baby. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au.